Friday edition of the Grizz Den podcast. We are here to bring you a game three preview. Brantley is on the line. What is going on? What's up, fam? Kraft is also on the line. Editor's note, Ty is not here. General general vibes from him just off the top are, you know, not great for game three. So y'all can give him... What uh, happened in between the end listen, of the last podcast? This just happens with Ty. Um, I'm not going to speak for him since he's not on the podcast, but just know, just if you have Ty's number, send him an encouraging text. He's not. He's. It's a little worried uh, about Game Three, but we are here to to give you guys the keys to Game Three, and we've each written down a few things. We're going to go through them here. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about predictions at the end for what we think is going to happen so what i'm going to do is i'm going to throw it over to brantley brantley get us started what is your first key to game three for the grizzlies well craft you were and will both of you are both sort of uh uh you know suggesting that you've stayed off of of the news cycle at least today um i i have maybe been a little bit more active just with a rainy day and had my head distracted to my first point is, is really about did, did Dylan really pour honey on himself because it doesn't matter. So if LeBron goes for a 40 piece and, and Dylan, you know, poked the bear and the bear came to, you know, to, to, to enjoy some honey on Dylan, which was, that was like the strangest thing like i think kendrick perkins brought like he brought a like a red tupperware bowl from his home maybe on the set and like just poured like honey from like a grocery store from a bear bottle onto that thing if y'all haven't seen that youtube clip do it and then today uh, literally like 20 minutes ago lebron basically shut down his his media interviews post-practice down, just basically saying, I don't want to talk about Dylan. I'm done. I'm focused on the game. I'm not here for any of that BS. So it's sort of just, we'll see. Does does Dylan pouring honey on himself matter? Uh, and, I, and, and what I mean by that really is like, the, I think if, if LeBron were to go 40 on his own, I think we sort of would feel like, mm, okay, that's kind of cool. But does it does it help? with ad reeves ruby does it sort of lift their game or does it sort of distract and take away from those role players because really i think if, if he plays sort of a heliocentric game like they did in the third and fourth quarter through lebron i think we would be super pumped about that i don't think we necessarily feel like that that's the way to beat this grizzlies team so that whole thing, we're all paying attention to it, uh, and and it, I don't know if you would call it a key, but it's definitely a key thing I'm going to be paying attention to. Kraft, what's your first key of the game? My uh, my my first key is uh, basically Anthony Davis is what what I'm going to be looking for in the first quarter. Is Anthony Davis back to what we fear, you know, all NBA Anthony Davis 
Uh, I still don't. I didn't think he was peak of powers in game one, but there were stretches where he dominated. Is does that return in game three, or, um, you know, and basically was game two about Anthony Davis being sort of ho hum, uh, like what like what I've always talked about his flaws, which he's just never consistently great. He just likes to be awesome, then be then be mediocre, and he goes back and forth. It's it's I guess like the inside the NBA type narrative about him, like what Charles Barkley and Shaq think about him, and and so is that what Game Two is about? Or and what I'm hoping did we actually play good defense against him? You know, and my my bet at the moment is that we actually made good adjustments against him in game two and that that and that part of those adjustments were running a lot um, which maybe I might be grabbing another key uh, for me but uh, was really getting him tired and so that he while he was good he never was really good for more than about a minute and a half stretch and we were really running him we were we were bringing him out of the paint a lot and so that's the question for me is have we made do the adjustments we made in game two was that really what kind of neutralized Anthony Davis? And does that continue in game three? And that's, that's really what I'm kind of looking at. And I don't know what y'all think about that, but that's sort of kind of a key, you know, are we, are we able, whatever we, you know, the schemes we did defensively and then how we use, how we put them in pick and rolls offensively, how we ran, we had Tillman beating him down court. Can we continue to do that uh, against him? Or is he going to go back to sort of dominating, uh, which he did for a lot of stretches of game one? Yeah, that's interesting. I think part of it is Davis, like you said, I mean, with the inconsistency, he he isn't always a guy who's just going to assert himself. He seems to play the second fiddle role. Um, It just is a better fit with him. And uh, that's why this this whole comparison between what you said, Brantley, first with LeBron, is he going to be aggressive? Uh, It's kind of like maybe that's exactly what they're – I don't know. I I think LeBron is going to take a lot of shots and and is AD okay with it? And if if he is okay with it, um, are we going to see another game like Game Two where where he's just kind of taking what the defense gives? Maybe LeBron misses him, he gets the offensive boards. Um, so I think it could either work um, perfectly in tandem between those two, or if LeBron's missing, I don't think AD has just that personality to to get after it. I think it's more opportunistic, which is crazy to say because he has the ability um, if he would if he would basically just decide. Uh, I was also thinking about this. AD really is the only true center that's going to be playing on either team uh, in these games if you look at who's getting minutes. With Steven Adams hurt, it's kind of bizarre. And, and Anthony Davis would prefer not even to play center. So you're looking at guys like Jaron Jackson being his ideal role. My opinion is at the four, and still, you know, even with Tillman starting next to him as a center, but Tillman's what six eight, six nine, like he's not a center. Uh, so just interesting there. Um, my key is three point efficiency. If you look at the past two games combined, Bain, Dylan, and Tyus are nine for thirty eight. That's twenty three point six percent. We're one and one in the last two games shooting uh, since both teams struggled. From behind the three-point line, specifically in game two, it wasn't as imperative that we shot well. Um, notably, Kennard did start to – he's 50% for the series. However, 
Luke Kennard has only taken eight threes. Dylan Brooks has taken 15. He's almost doubled it. That number needs to reverse in, in game three. And I'm going to be looking – I mean, the efficiency is what it is. You know, sometimes you're hitting them, sometimes you're not. And I feel like our system is good enough to where if we swing it, we're going to get open shots, um, especially if guys can keep their heads up when they're driving, specifically like Bain and Jaron. Um, but we have to have that flip. Like, Kennard cannot take less threes than Dylan Brooks with a, you know – reasonable amount of minutes between the two of them so that's that's the thing i'm looking for i'm i'm waiting for a good shooting night um from the grizzlies because that's that's to me going to be the differentiator from taking a punch which i think is coming in the first quarter from the lakers and responding to it throughout the rest of the game yeah i think it's interesting to me that uh, uh, but for me the what's interesting is canard uh, I think was a little more aggressive looking for his shot. And I think that's going to be key because the Lakers are going to, they're going to promote Dylan shooting more threes. I mean, that is going to be, I think by design. Um, but there was, you know, a couple plays where Kennard, like I think in that game where Kennard shot it when I think it, uh, you know, one where he got the foul um, and then one in the corner uh, where, <laughs> where he was being guarded by D'Lo <laughs> on the strong side. Uh, but D'Lo in his typical, you know, way was not guarding him very well in the corner and he got a shot off. And I just think that that's what we really need him being aggressive. And he, he needs to realize they do not have good defensive wing players. Like he, like Kennard needs to know, even if there's a guy kind of on him, take that, like take it. Mm-hmm. If you got it in rhythm, uh, because they're not, you know, they're not, their wing defenders are not good and they're going to give him a little bit of space. Cause that's just the way they are. Um, so hopefully I agree. I think hopefully he'll be more aggressive and uh, hopefully Dylan will be maybe a little less aggressive. And surely with, with all of the noise that Dylan created, right, back to my you know first key, that someone has sat him down and said, be prepared, dude. Like you need to maybe how they're going to combat you. Uh, let's, let's understand that. Let, let's let you get to your, your spots on the floor. We talked about this in the first, uh, or in the most recent, um, you know, rewind on game two, where it, his his three point looks they they shifted. They looked a whole lot better after he kind of got into some of his elbow jumpers, um, and they had to respect him a little differently. And so I sort of not that I hope that we run things for Dylan, but like that we've at least like said, hey, this is what we need from you out of the start. Like help us uh, maybe mitigate the 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 punch that we're likely to receive in the first quarter and i do think that that would be massive for our efficiency will to your point so we're 10 minutes into this podcast no mention yet of john morant and part of that is because there hasn't been an official announcement with his status he was questionable before game two was was a game time decision um which to me indicates that you know He's probably going to be playing on Saturday or tomorrow night. Um, Kraft, what do you think about Jaws' reintegration into the team, assuming that he plays? Yeah, and this is the thing that makes me the most apprehensive because he's not going to be 100% if he plays. I mean, we, we know that. We know he's going to be good enough to play because we held him out the last game because he realized, I'm not good enough to play and help. 
So whatever that line is of being good enough to play and help, I think is what they're going to look at. And and I even think that if he's, uh, again, borderline, I think they could potentially wait till game four to bring him back since we're coming off a win. Because, I mean, I think our I think we're looking at let's just split this. Like I think it's we have to win game three or game four. And, and I think if they know they can get a really much better jaw in game four, they won't play him to, uh, tomorrow night. But, but ultimately, I don't know. I mean, there's a part of me that's like, do we bring him off the bench again uh, like we did when he kind of came back? Do we uh, – man, the amount of texts I've gotten from people saying that we're better without jaw. And, it's, and we're not. And, you know, we don't need to, we don't need to <laughs> litigate that. Uh, but, the ball, but the ball does move around. Our, our group does, you know, with that Ewing theory type, they do collectively seem to raise their game. And, and, and the, the hope is that they just stay raised and then Jaw comes back. And we, in those moments that we struggled uh, to score, that we were holding on for dear life, well, Jaw's on the court for some of those moments with those weird lineups. We also have Jaw. You know, and then hopefully maybe both Bain and Jaw are drawing fouls at the end of the game to get some clutch free throws. But, um, but I mean, it's a real, it's a really interesting uh, thing to think about because we did defend them so well in game two. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm rambling in a way cause I don't know. I don't, but at the same time, I think there is like, I'm with Ty, um, not with him the way he thinks game three is going to go, but I'm with Ty in the sense that I think there's still a magical moment left for Jaw in this in this series. I do think it's L.A. He has always played well in L.A. Um, he's always had a magical like quarter um, or two. And so there is this sense that I do expect good things. I just It's one of those weird things where – uh, I know Tyus is gifted at running the offense, but it's like, why can we not just – because Jaw can too, but it's like that that hitting the ball, passing around, Jaw with 10-11 assists. It's just been a few games since we've seen that, and that's what makes me nervous. Yeah, and there's just something to the way that – I mean, this is obviously going to get a little bit of an overreaction, but just the way that we were able to see Tillman thrive in a playoff moment with Tyus – Versus, I would say, look, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but just exploited maybe offensively in game one with Ja. And maybe that's because Tyus's floater game kind of more in that mid-range area is just respected a touch more. We also, you know, we talked about this a little bit where um, there just was more action with, with Bain and or Kennard at the top of the key. Um, that opened up Tillman, just the way that they had to respect um, those sort of dribble handoff moments with Tillman. So I, I'm, I'm, I like the idea of of Job ja potentially coming off the bench. I'm not necessarily saying that that's going to happen, but I do. I, I, I seem to like it because I do think that it could play into one of my next keys. And I'm not sure if you want me to go there yet, but I do like the idea of still starting Tillman because one of the things that I'm concerned about is that when you look at what happened last night with Brooklyn um, and Philadelphia, what's happened with Draymond, you've got this noise of these sort of um, reactions of, uh, you know, um, uh, the, the physicality of the game. So one of my concerns is that this might get called a little closer um, to sort of nip that in the bud quickly um, on the physicality side of things. And, and that sort of, kind of um, goes with this concern with what Dylan's doing as well as Jaron. 
Um, Jaron in this series has played 37 and 39 minutes. He's played 17 total playoff games, not counting the play-in. And he's only gone 30-plus minutes four times out of those 17. So 19 total playoff games in the past two, that's crucial. So those two things to me, like the way the game's going to get called early to limit the physicality because of the NBA trend, on top of we've got to have Jaron play 37 to 39 minutes again if we're going to win, even if we have Ja. Those two things to me have me as a – as a key piece, like watch the way the game is called, but we've got to have trip um, hit those um, minute amount to me for us to feel like we can steal game three. Yeah, no, I like that point a lot. And I also think that it, it folds in, everything's connected, but it folds in with is LeBron going to play aggressive? Is, is he going to play downhill? And if he is, Jaron's going to have is the, you know, last line of defense. And that leaves him a little bit more vulnerable if LeBron's not settling. Um, so, uh, my, my last key, and then I'm going to pass it off, um, to craft here is stay aggressive. We saw them, we saw how aggressive we were getting up and down in transition, not letting anything, um, off easy for the Lakers. And the reason why I'm saying stay aggressive, aggressive is because I believe the rotation is now officially 10 deep with this emergence of Conchar and with the reintegration of John Morant. So you have more opportunities for rest. Um, you have more opportunities to, you know, you, you don't have, with the game getting called close, you don't want to get in foul trouble and you don't want to be dumb, but at, you'd know that you have a wing player waiting <laughs> that can come in and fill in five, six minutes in a pinch especially if we're looking at Dylan Brooks. Like, my guess is that he's going to get called for a few more fouls than he already – he's already foul-prone, but he's going to be playing aggressive, we know. Um, and are the um, the Bain efficiency – I said that the other night it's because he was having so many more responsibilities. Does he have less responsibility with John Morant now coming in, taking some of the ball handling off of him – can he get reintegrated? But also, maybe he can run a little bit less because you have a guy like Conchar who can come in and be the connector for five or six minutes, give him a rest, give Bain a rest, let him come back in, and and we'll see it percentages rise from there. So I think this, and and then also Roddy has to be mentioned in all this too. Where now to me, I mean, Roddy might be the seventh most important player uh, based on his size and how he fits um, defensively, and then him hitting shots as well. Um, not too big for the moment. So I really do think Taylor Jenkins is, it might have his 10-man rotation for game three um, if Ja plays. So that, to me, I mean, stay aggressive. Stay aggressive. We've got the guys that you can back us up, even how thin we are with injury, which is crazy. Yeah, on that note, and that, because that kind of clicks, I mean, my one of my big things is because I think we do – We've always been occupied with the jaw Tyus, you know, like how long can we keep jaw out, like Tyus minutes. And actually, I mean, I'm going back to what, you know, Will, you you harped on this on the last podcast. I really think uh, I, wa- I would like, and, and I know foul trouble gets in the way of this, but I'm hoping that Jenkins has mapped out his rotations a little bit in an ideal world where fouls don't matter. But Jaron or Bain need to be on the floor. One of them needs to be on the floor at all times. And the, the jaw coming back, uh, I'm worried that the temptation will be, oh, jaw, can, we can throw jaw out here with some bench guys. Uh, you know. But I think jaw is still going to – if jaw plays, I think he's still going to be 
not 100%. And I still think we need to think of it as Bain or Jaron on the floor at all times, one of them. Um, and think of it as those two are be to be the players that we need. And I think, you know, neither of them, uh, both of them played an excellent defensive game. Neither of them played great offensively last game, um, up to their standards at least. So I'm hoping that we get some some better games from them. But I just, I think they're the keys. Like we're going to, all the narrative is going to be about Dylan and LeBron. All the narrative is going to be, is John, is John playing and how does he look? And at the ultimately, at the end of the day, if we're going to steal game three, it's going to be because Jaw. I mean, it's because J, uh, Jaron and Bain play really well, and mm-hmm. and I think that like, to me uh, something to really be looking at. Does Jaron play more like game one, and does Bain finally, like you were saying, make some shots? And then just a little quick little honorable mention throw in there. I'm I'm interested to see how the how the role players respond on the road. We've we've mentioned Kennard a little bit. But this is going to be Roddy, Aldama, uh, you know, um, honestly Conchar a little bit because he didn't get a lot of play. But this is going to be a lot of guys' first road playoff minutes as role players. And the, and the cliche is that, that road role, role players on the road do not play well. Well, can we get, can we get sort of a good game, you know, a, a, Roddy, a Roddy game or a Conchar game or an Aldama game where they kind of at least play to their level? Uh, what we expect from them on the road. Uh, so that's the other thing I'm looking at. Yeah, Kraft, your your point sort of play into one of the things that I was thinking on the Bain side, and this is really one of the last big points that I'd said, well, I also just sort of said use our youth. Like I think if getting into my predictions, the what I would look at for how we win, like if we're going to get this game, I think it's because the aggressiveness youth thing comes into play and it matters. And we sort of see that happen in the back half of the game. But for Bain, really, like I want to see him close really strong. 14 of his 39, only 14 of his 39 points in the first two games have come in the second half. So he's primarily scoring in the first half for us. That's helpful maybe to mitigate a punch. Um, But we really need him to be strong towards the end, to have his legs, to be able to get to the free throw line like he did in game two to help us close. And I really, I think if we win game three, it's going to be because we see him have more of a 50-50 split in terms of his points versus having a really um, strong uh, first half performance and lagging off in the second half. So one year ago today, this is a Grizz, Grizz story moment. Um, the Grizzlies Shout out. defeated the Minnesota Timberwolves in game three. And if you remember back game three last year, it was the we in Minnesota now, Carl Anthony Towns quote, we were down 26 at one point, clawed all the way back on the back of Bain, honestly, who was our leading scorer. Uh, had 26 points. Brandon Clark notably also had 20, and that's when we realized, okay, these are going to be our guys for this series who are going to swing it for us. But I expect not hopefully, hopefully not 26 down. I do expect in the first quarter to be down double digits, and I'm hoping that with you know they say young teams need scars in the playoffs. I think we have at least a few scars, including that game one year ago today. And I'm, I am betting that we bounce back in that game. I'm not predicting a win. Um, I, I don't necessarily uh, – I think it's going to be really close, though, closer than Ty Smith Sr. thinks it's going to be. 
um, for sure. So I think we're looking at a very close game in the fourth quarter. And do I think we have a, a solid chance now with the way that we've adjusted? Yes, I do. I think they are. LeBron is old. That is a fact. AD is inconsistent. That is a fact. And Rui Hachimura has been on a heater. I am just begging for the Grizzlies to hold him to under 20 in this game. And if all those things, all of the three of those things uh, play. Rest into the mean on Rui. Yes. Please. If those three things just regress to their mean, then I think the Grizzlies have just as good of a shot to win um, game three. And if they lose, we're going to have the same situation where we're going to have more urgency going into game four. Um, so I, I consider this tomorrow night to be a toss up. I think it's also a house money game for us. I mean, I think the, the positive thing is uh, I think game one and game three, that, that, that these are the two games where the Lakers will play their best. The game one where they had five days rest, this game with two days rest and their first game at home, uh, they will not play as well the rest of this series. I really don't think so because they're going to have only one day rest in between every game. Uh, we'll now have adjustments to the adjustments. So I think if we can eat, I think just, I, I, I'm not into the moral victory game, but I just think we're playing with house money in game three uh, because this is the, the best, you know, kind of punch we're going to get from them. And if we can hang with them, I think that is, looks really good for the rest of the series. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling overly optimistic, but from what we saw from LeBron uh, and the way that he played towards the end of game two, to craft to your point, you were on our text thread. Your whole point was like this narrative that that um, the Lakers didn't want that game and didn't have a high energy threshold. Maybe that was the case, but LeBron did. LeBron wanted it, and and he did try to take over that game. And it was a six point game at a critical juncture, right? And we talked about that in game two, and we you know overcame the, um, that scenario and won. And so in a sense, like, I think we're going to get that same level of effort and it really comes down to, do we think that AD lifts his game around that LeBron effort? And I think my biggest concern is that we might get some LA home cooking. Um, that's my reason for pessimism. It's not about us. I do just sort of feel like this kind of trend on, um, and I'm curious to see how the games are, are officiated tonight. And if there's been sort of a league wide, you know, uh, memo sent out to the refs in terms of like how to nip some of these games in the bud. And I think ours will be one between Dylan and LeBron where it's like, we're not going to let some, you know, uh, that, that energy and that noise um, mess up the game. So I, I, my prediction is more about that to where I do think we'll, I, I trust our team to maybe take a big punch and be able to keep it close and then it's a couple of possession games like really both of these playoff games have been, even though the game one final score was was a, a, a larger deficit. Well, there you have it, folks. The keys to game three, I think we covered it. Um, the John Morant news is going to be super interesting to follow over the course of the next couple of days. Uh, will we see a locked-in jaw? Will we see a healthy jaw? Um, I, I, would, I would still hold the take that a, a, an unhealthy jaw is not better than a healthy Tyus Jones. So we'll see how this, how this 
runs and game three tomorrow night, 9 p.m. So get your power nap in um, Saturday afternoon because we, we're going to need everybody uh, for this one to bring it home. And then from here on out, we've got one day in between. So get your sleep tonight. Get your nap in tomorrow, and we will see you tomorrow night after the game. We'll have our instant reactions going up. And uh, for Brantley and Kraft. 11.45 midnight. Yes. Um, so definitely need a nap. No promises for me on the instant reactions. I may be asleep. <laughs> well, there you have it. Some combination will be yeah. – we'll, we'll have an yeah, instant reaction for you on uh, early Sunday morning. And for Ty – for Kraft, for Brantley. I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you very soon.